<clears throat> me, 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 me. Do you know what you're giving to? Do you like the things your gifts are showing you? It's episode 11 of For Our Edification. Thank you for joining For Our Edification. I'm Eddie Francis. For Our Edification is underwritten by the Purposeful Philanthropy Foundation and is available on some of the biggest platforms. You can find the podcast on home base at Podbean, but now you can also get the podcast at iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Google, Spreaker, and more. And now you can check out the new For Our Edification page at eddiefrancis.com. So welcome to the Right to Bear Arms segment. That is W-R-I-T-E to bear A-L-M-S, where Halima jumps in to talk about the power of intentional giving. August is Black Philanthropy Month. It's a time that we celebrate not only giving to causes that we care about in Black America, but also how that giving brings about real change. Now, Black Philanthropy Month was founded by Dr. Jackie Bouvier Copeland to strengthen uh, Black philanthropic leadership, and that was done so that the giving among people of African descent became stronger as well. In 2019, the theme is Let's Make History. Now, by the way, there are two other significant figures in Black Philanthropy Month. Uh, Tracy Webb, who is best known for Black Gives Back, and Valeda Fullwood, the author of Giving Back, a tribute to generations of African-American philanthropists. Now, as you know, for our edification's resident expert in fundraising and philanthropy is Halima Lee Francis, PhD. Uh, she's the founder, leader, and board chair of the Purposeful Philanthropy Foundation. Well, one of Halima's obsessions when it comes to giving is helping people understand how to give strategically. So part of that is knowing your philanthropic identity. What is that? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it right after this. The views and opinions expressed on For Our Edification do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the hosts, guests, or any entities with which we are affiliated. Thank you for joining us on For Our Edification. I'm Eddie Francis. So you have a cause that you care about. Homelessness, uh, your church, domestic violence awareness and prevention, um, education, a mentoring program, disease eradication, protecting animals, environmental justice, reducing food deserts in urban areas and, and building wealth or, or whatever it is that you care the most about. Now, you're not rich, but you want to give whatever you can. That could be money. It could be knowledge or expertise. It could be sweat equity. The question is, are you giving to something that connects to your identity and value? In other words, what represents who you are and how you influence those around you? So think about it this way. What will future you be proud of when it comes to how you are using your resources today? Now, this Right to Bear Arms segment is actually a throwback from the old Eddie Francis podcast show. So we got four parts of this thing. In the first part, uh, Halima is going to lay out what it means to have a philanthropic identity. In part two, we're going to get into how people's philanthropic identities are affected by the beneficiaries of their gifts. In part three, Halima is going to talk about how you can establish a philanthropic identity, even on a modest budget. And in the final part of For Our Edification, for the Right to Bear Arms segment, Halima is going to talk about how to evaluate a cause or an organization that you want to give to before you start writing some checks or spending that sweat equity. How would I describe a philanthropic identity? Um, I think being um, clear on what causes you want to commit to or mm -hmm. devote your resources to and understanding how you want to impact those causes. Um, so it's, it's a lot of it is what and how and why, mm -hmm. you know, what, why does this even matter to you? So I think those three components are really critical to defining your your philanthropic identity now your why goes back to your your personal identity so the things that shape you the thing the experiences that make you who you are your relationships family that kind of stuff so yeah what how and why do you have one 
That's a good question. I think I do, but I can't. Or do you have a, do you have a philanthropic identity crisis? <laughs> I may have multiple philanthropic identities, actually. Oh, um, philanthropically um, schizophrenic, maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> but I, I think if I had to characterize my um, philanthropic identity... In one word, it would be um, influencer, uh, Mm -hmm. being influential. I I do tend to appreciate those opportunities that allow me to have an influence on a particular outcome Mm -hmm. or an influence on a behavior of a group of people. So, for example... Uh, one of the things that I'd like to talk about and like to support and like to advocate for um, is having a better understanding of the space of philanthropy as it positions you to make a difference in our society, Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly for uh, underrepresented communities, under-resourced communities, or communities that are typically characterized as um, uh, having high deficits, being being able to encourage and influence those communities to be philanthropically active and engaged. So volunteer, um, pull your money, pull your resources together to um, to create or 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 foster change within your community. Mm-hmm. I like being able to. Uh, have an impact on kind of the the thought processes and our attitudes towards uh, the practice of philanthropy. So if I if I had to characterize my own identity, it would be one of of an influencer and and probably educator as well. Okay, so I'm glad you said influence because I want to come back to that in mm-hmm. just a little bit. Now let me tell you how you motivated me on the philanthropic stuff. So you know I I started consistently. Uh, giving to St. Aug, mm-hmm. uh, St. Augustine High School, my alma mater. And, and that was because I, I discovered by listening to you and by kind of just unpacking all of this with you that my philanthropic identity is connected to education, mm-hmm. and but it's more specifically connected to education for people of color. Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to make one quick note. Don't y'all send me any emails asking <laughs> me to give to your stuff, all right? I just... I mean, I'm not trying to be like the philanthropy curmudgeon or anything, He's but I'm just philanthropic Scrooge. No, I'm not, because I have limited funds. Yes, so, yes, and we. Which, yeah. by the way, yeah. is another important point for people because I think that people believe that the definition of philanthropist means that you have to have a lot of money. No, that's not. So your, your your identity doesn't necessarily have to be one of someone who's rich or wealthy. Right. So, and, and okay, so let's unpack that. If you're looking at it from like a, a historical or kind of like research-based space, then charity and philanthropy, there are different approaches mm-hmm. and different um, distinctions mm-hmm. in that whole conversation. So charity, be, charity tends to be much more one-on-one. Um, there's a, a kid in your neighborhood who needs tennis shoes. You are charitable and you you uh want to give to that person one on one that is that tends to be considered charity. So that tends to be your uh giving society type stuff maybe or Oh okay. well, no, well I'm from New Orleans so this would be the social aid and pleasure club. Somewhat. Type thing, a somewhat. Bit. Yeah. yeah, so that model, yeah, so social aid and pleasure club um also giving circles um have historical roots in charity Mm -hmm. so they a lot of them were born out of um they they were mutual aid societies so Mm -hmm. um a family um you know a husband lost his lost lost his life working wherever he may have worked or the family's house burned down Mm -hmm. family didn't necessarily have insurance or access to resources that would sustain the family the uh, mutual aid society or social aid and pleasure club would um host an event mm-hmm. they would take up a collection mm-hmm. and go to that family's house and say here here's the mm-hmm. money you know we want to help you that is definitely rooted in in charity right um a philanthropic approach to a to the to the same type of situation would be if 
the mutual aid society or or social um, social aid and pleasure club said, uh, you know what, we are going to pool our resources prior to something happening. And we noticed that in our community, there are a lot of families that are single parent households, mm-hmm. households due to fathers being killed on the on the job. So what we're going to do is pool our resources together and um, come up with a, a job safety program. Mm-hmm. We're going to encourage families to uh, get insurance before something happens, and we're going to come up with a, a financial model of supporting that. Is that when you become a foundation? No, not necessarily. Oh, okay. No, not necessarily. Okay. But it's what the difference is, is kind of taking... A, a strategic approach to kind of dealing with the root problem. Okay. So the okay. root problem in that example may be that jobs are not safe. Mm-hmm. The root problem may be that families are not um, economically savvy, or they or they just don't have the resources to prepare for tragedy. Mm-hmm. So that may be the root problem and then if you go under that root problem (laughs) there may be like some structural and racial issues that kind of contribute to those things so um and looking at it from a philanthropic lens you are usually more concerned with addressing the root the 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 um strategic kind of issues that are Mm -hmm. surrounding the issue that you're dealing with now a foundation um is is pretty much an organization that either and and some organizations take on the name of foundation they they provide direct services but um they are designed to provide resources within the community and some of them are very individual driven mm-hmm. and some of them are very um you know research driven some of them are very kind of strategy driven so mm-hmm. foundations they have different identities too as it were i got it okay all right does one's philanthropic identity change it can and yeah it, it does it does it, it changes like, and is that okay that's that is perfectly fine okay. um the longer you spend Involved in an issue and a cause, mm-hmm. you're gonna learn more about it. So your target may change. Like mm-hmm. it may start out that you wanted to um, to give to the neighborhood baseball team because mm-hmm. it gave kids something to do. Mm-hmm. And as you go visit to the baseball games, as you talk to the kids who you bought bats for and uniforms for. You might find out that these kids came from neighborhoods where they likely wouldn't be able to go to college or, you know, do productive things or things that kids should just do. So you've you then once you learn more about the population you are trying to help, um, you learn more about what causes their issues and you your your. thoughts about that population may shift and Mm -hmm. that may cause a shift in your giving. You might say, you know what, I've been giving to the baseball team, but you know what, I think I need to give, or I need to position myself to have more of a presence on the school board. Right. Or I right. need to have more of a presence in some of the major nonprofits that are providing services to youth in the community. Right. Um, okay. I need to reposition um, myself so that I have more of a political impact in a particular area because I know that this this baseball team that I'm helping this isn't the only group of kids that are right. experiencing this. Mm-hmm. So then the question you mentioned, you know, I, I have limited funds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so where are you going to put those funds? Mm-hmm. Um, so your identity kind of shifts in a way where you look at your resources. You look at your resources and um, you look at the things that you care about and there may be a redistribution of how you address it. Mm -hmm. So that's why, I mean, with you, whenever you do speak to someone about uh, their giving, that's why you always urge people to be strategic. Yes. Uh, about how they do it, you know. Don't, you know, it's so funny. Don't give just because it feels good to do it, and yeah, yeah. you know, and, and you know, and and it does feel good, and and all that other good stuff. However, 
you do have limited funds and that's the reality and you want to see those funds actually go somewhere right you want to see them do something you want to, you want to be you want them to be productive mm-hmm. um and strategic definitely um intentional absolutely mm-hmm. you know you you need to be mentally present mm-hmm. in in your giving and um not make it a just kind of a transactional I'm giving just because so and so asked me, and I'm just gonna, you know, give twenty dollars mm-hmm. because I believe it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I feel that that is while um, well intentioned. I feel that that is sometimes overly simplistic, mm-hmm. and also um, it may do more harm than good so that's what i was gonna ask okay yeah, yeah. so <laughs> so your intentions may be wonderful mm-hmm. um but is this agency or is this organization or is this individual going to manage what you've given them in the way that you intended it to benefit them yeah yeah um, you yeah. know and I, I hate to yeah i, I see homelessness you mm-hmm. know and um, there'll be someone that says, you know, can you give me money um, to go get food? Mm-hmm. If I'm going to give, I'll I'll go I'll go with them to get food. Yeah, right? get, <laughs> it's like no, I'll go get the food and I'll be right back. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'll I'll go get the food yeah. or or um, you know, I, they need a bus pass. So I'll, I'll go get the bus pass mm-hmm. for them I, because I don't know where mm-hmm. that person is. Right and. My intention, yes, is for them to go get food. So this, this all right. So it's it, you know, in so in keeping with Black Philanthropy Month. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk about the uncomfortable conversation that we have in the Black community when it comes to philanthropy, and that is when people look at HBCU alumni and say, "Y'all don't give enough. Y'all don't give enough," and you find out that your institution is embroiled in some sort of financial scandal. Mm-hmm. And you go back to the alumnus, and the alumnus says, well, this is why I haven't been giving. Because, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I love my alma mater, but they have a history of doing this. Mm-hmm. So I know I only gave $100 last year, but that means my $100 is down the tubes right now mm-hmm. because they they weren't they weren't doing something that I needed them to do. And, and it seems to me that's when a light comes on for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Who you know? Who want to be able to give? They want to be philanthropists, but then they see that an organization or they see that a group has somehow mismanaged their funds, mm-hmm. even if it's only fifty dollars. Yeah, you, that fifty you you put some energy behind that fifty. You put some thought behind that fifty dollars. Yeah, certainly and, didn't want, to and go that's to your buy, fifty damn dollars. <laughs> you certainly did not want that fifty dollars to go to buy wigs for somebody. Yes. <laughs> Unless it was for a specific wig-oriented project. <laughs> However, yes. So, I mean, so so that being said, we can look at people and say, oh, so-and-so is stingy. They won't give. Mm-hmm. But we have to respect the fact that so-and-so is probably not being stingy right. so much as they're being thoughtful and they know what's on the other side of that gift. If they... If they, if they, if they Put that gift in the wrong place. Right. So giving giving is, is a relationship. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a relationship between the the um, giver and the the donor and the recipient. Yeah. So in a relationship, and um, I had the the pleasure of talking to um, Dr. Norman Francis about um, fundraising, particularly at HBCUs, and. A lot of our discussion, a lot of the themes that continue to emerge in our conversation were um, around relationships, like Mm -hmm. managing, respecting, Mm -hmm. um, valuing relationships. And valuing this person's identity in a process. Right. I mean, because that's what you do. You actually value this person's identity. Right. So it's not just valuing what you can get out of this person or Mm -hmm. valuing that this person has the high potential to give or valuing um, what this person can do for you as an Mm -hmm. agency or as an institution, it is valuing 
that person's expectations, mm-hmm. you know, that per and, and this isn't that the individual has the right to come into your agency and say, I want you to buy that lamp right, and, right. and not this lamp. Right. It's that you don't violate the trust. Mm-hmm. Violating the trust means or don't not violating the trust means that you are accountable. Like you mm-hmm. report on the gift that that they gave you. Mm-hmm. Um that you use it the way that it was intended to be used. And if you can't, yeah. if you if you are not, like if someone gives you, uh, wants to donate money to you for, um, I don't know, a pickup truck, mm-hmm. and your agency or organization does not have, doesn't need a pickup truck, quite mm-hmm. frankly. You just don't need one. Mm-hmm. Don't take the gift. Right, right. And, and that's okay. <clears throat> and you can say to them, you know what, pickup truck isn't all, I don't really need a pickup truck right now. But what I do need is, and, and, and be transparent with your donors. Um, so what about in a philanthropic community itself? Mm-hmm. You have one philanthrop- philanthropist who talks to another philanthropist, and they go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Because I can only imagine these folks communicate with one another. Mm-hmm. And they all and they and they talk. Yes. Um, and so, what you do is somebody donates five thousand dollars because mm-hmm. you said that your nonprofit needed a car. Mm-hmm. You decide not to use that five thousand toward the car. You decide to use that five thousand to keep the lights on. Yeah. Well, now what you have is a philanthropist, and that philanthropist has egg on his face. Yes. With his circle. Mm-hmm. And and the other philanthropists are going, well, why did you give to them? You knew what they were going to do. I mean, didn't they do this before? You yeah. know, and blah, blah, yeah. blah. I know how you feel about them. Those are your friends. But they're abusing you. So right. not, now you're this philanthropist who's embarrassed right. in, in their circle, right? Right. So you not only are they talking to each other, but they're making more um, conscious efforts to partner with one another. So mm. they may have similar interests. And oh, and if you're the organization that right. uses that gift right, now you've gotten into that partnership. Yes. Now. <laughs> I see this. It's like the matrix. I see this. So, right. So the relationship, they can introduce you. I feel like Neo now. <laughs> I'm so glad I took that blue pill. It's so silly. <laughs> Those are the red pill. I can't remember. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Jay-Z explained it in a lyric somewhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, so you, you once you have established trust um, and worked well with one donor, mm-hmm. then it's perfectly reasonable <laughs> to expect for them to... Be very proud and very happy and willing to share their positive experience with other donors. Oh, man. Okay. So, um, and that, again, in, in being a supporter, so people support in more than one ways. It's not just money. Mm-hmm. They can introduce you to people. They mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. Um, provide pro bono or in-kind services or, or resources. So, part- which, is, which is a big mm-hmm. deal because let's think of the case of a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Who's providing services yes. when they could be doing billable they hours? They could be billing hours, and, wow. those, and I, some lawyers per right. hour is very expensive. <laughs> right. So I mean, they could be they they're not losing thousands of dollars while they're helping you, right? But they're reinvesting. They're reinvesting that somewhere, right? Right. Because to them, the thousands of dollars isn't a loss if the organization does well and right. if they use the gift wisely. Exactly. Right. So <clears throat> for there, there are countless stories about how um, fundraisers and and um, agencies that are very um, that that are paying attention to how they work with donors. You know, they, they may have met somebody or, or met a supporter or a volunteer who could only give $500 a year. Mm-hmm. And they built a relationship with this person. They, they honored the relationship. They valued the person. They valued that person's identity. And five years down the road, that person introduced them to a millionaire or it may be a situation where that person left the agency in their will and when mm. the when the when they passed away the agency was a ben- was a beneficiary of the will and mm-hmm, they you know mm-hmm. they got funds from that from from that so um 
having these relationships with your donors, and I, I talk about it all the time, but having these relationships with your donors where you honor them as a person and honor the relationship and um, really honor their identity, and, and they honor yours. It, it just it creates a more healthy mm-hmm. um philanthropic kind of exchange and, mm-hmm. and, and process. So let's talk about this. Um, as far as a philanthropic identity is concerned, let's talk about the difference between influence and power. Mm-hmm. You once told me you wanted to be a person more of influence than of power. And there was a very interesting line. I told you about this that I, I heard in Mad Men mm. um, when one of the characters, Bert, was talking to another character, Don. And he was trying to get Bert was Don's boss in this episode. And he was trying to get Don, who was this, you know, really successful advertising man. He was trying to get him to donate to a charity mm-hmm. or to an organization. And and I, and I, it was so funny. I, you know, I kind of nerded out on it. I was like, ooh, I'm going to tell him Lima I heard this line. <laughs> Um, but Bert said philanthropy is power. Mm. What is the difference between being a philanthropist who is in, in, in according? What do you think mm-hmm. is the difference between being a philanthropist who is influential mm-hmm. and a philanthropist who is powerful? Um, philanthropists who are powerful and, and me making this distinction, a lot of it is related to my identity and how I see um, my ability to foster change in spaces that I care about. Okay. So power, philanthropists who are powerful are those who are building things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you think about the Rockefeller family. Mm -hmm. um, You think about... um, the Gates family, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's power there because mm-hmm. they they are creating, they are um, they are shaping, they are building, they all of these kind of creation oriented mm-hmm. activities. Mm-hmm. They they're they're cha- they're moving the needle. They're they're just kind of we're, we're going to look up twenty years from now, and our world is going to look very different. And a lot of that is shaped mm-hmm. by what is happening in philanthropic spaces. We, you know, we, oftentimes we think about government, we think about the professional sector, but oftentimes philanthropy is known as like this third sector mm-hmm. where the same chess pieces are being moved. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're being moved, honestly, outside of the constructs of some of our legal Mm-hmm. you know systems and, and things so because they they have that kind of power they have that kind of power so mm-hmm. it's an individual giving a lot of money to something that they care about right and they're free to do that and and it seems that with people like that there's kind of a kiss the ring effect yes among the people who want to get to them right exactly yeah, yeah. so being a person of influence as it relates to that space to me, that means being the person who can say, you should think about it this way. Mm-hmm. And this is why. Mm-hmm. And being having the freedom to have that dialogue with those people and maybe teach them something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, without being fearful of them saying, you know, I'm not going to fund your project mm-hmm. um, I, without coming to them with hat in hand, but honestly coming to them offering something, offering knowledge, offering mm-hmm. insight, offering perspective. Um, so it's more like, so it sounds like what you're saying is that with influencing people, you're empowering yes, people. exactly. Yeah, so yeah. so you, you're connecting this one to that one, to exactly. this one, to that one. Exactly. Helping them understand this, mm-hmm. helping them understand. And you don't need anybody to kiss the ring. I don't need anybody. I don't need to kiss the ring, and I don't need anybody to kiss my ring. So <laughs> it, it, it takes, it, it, and again, it, a, a lot of, some of that is about my personal comfort. Like, right, I don't, right. um, I tend, my, my relationships with donors have always been those types of relationships where they say things to me like you listen to me. Mm, um, mm-hmm. you, you're not rushing me. You give me things to think about. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, My yeah. relationships with um, agencies, they say, you know, thank you for letting me know that um, I can be 
real and I can be authentic mm-hmm. with with what I'm facing, what I'm doing. I can communicate that with my donors and there's a healthy way to communicate that. I don't have to hide from them that mm-hmm. we had a deficit last year. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, if, if I manage my relationships with my donors well. So I've always found myself in this interesting position where I'm empowering somebody on either side of the aisle to re uh to revisit how they see themselves you know nonprofits tend to when you're talking about fundraising they tend to see themselves as you know hustling for the dollar and nobody wants to fundraise and you know there's a a negative perception of the process of fundraising and then with some donors they they may be very kind of um you know, they they keep to themselves because a lot of people are asking them for stuff and they mm-hmm. feel like somebody always wants something from them and mm-hmm. they struggle to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They struggle. They don't really understand what matters to them. And, and they've never kind of take some of them have not really taken the time to um, look at an issue from a perspective that they, quite frankly, may not have access to. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking about a donor who's wealthy, um just painting a picture, a wealthy white woman who's a donor um, Mm -hmm. to to an agency or cause. By virtue of who she is, her identity, her family, her background, she may not even know that there are certain issues that are out there. So for me to be able to go into a space where I can just have a conversation with her and say, you know, listen, this is what I do. Um, this is why I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you are interested in the environment. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, this this envir- environmental racism situation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She might be thinking about ozone layers and, mm-hmm. you know, she, but she's not thinking about communities that don't have access to water which is no less connected to the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no fault of hers. That's just not her reality. Right, and right. Um, I feel like as someone who influences those, those um, relationships and conversations, it just, it allows us to be more productive in, in our approach to giving and in our approach to receiving and doing the work that we do. So let's talk to the person right now who, who <laughs> he just got it in his heart to, to, to give. Um, and it's somebody who's really concerned with homelessness. Um, again, limited funds on a tight budget, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. But it's, it's, it's really on his heart to do this, to, mm-hmm. to contribute somehow and to be a philanthropist. Um, how does he start establishing that identity? And, and should he be ashamed that the only thing that he can give maybe is $25 a year to the, to the homeless shelter? Um, I, I, he, no, he should not be ashamed that, that that's all he has to give at this point in time. Because he can give, you mentioned this before, he can give in other ways. I mean, yeah. he can go volunteer, mm-hmm. he can buy mm-hmm. plates, or mm-hmm. he can... You know, do different things. He can he can give relationships. You know, he oh, he can he can donate twenty his twenty five dollars a year, but his, he may have a coworker mm-hmm. or he may have access to somebody that can give two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So, and that can do a lot for a homeless shelter. Yeah, yeah. Um, or he can rally his coworkers. Or he to can form rally his, right all his all his coworkers who care about homelessness. Exactly, right, he right. can. He can be an ambassador for this agency. You know, we're seeing a lot more of these giving days and mm-hmm. online. Um, uh, oh, yeah, a lot of people doing doing their own giving days. Yeah, yeah. they're doing yeah. it because we there's net, well globally now. Um, giving Tuesday right. is towards the um, the holiday season. Right. North Texas Giving Day. Right. Um, there's a NOLA Giving Nola. Day in New Orleans. Right. There's, a Saint, there's a Give Purple Day give for Saint. Roland Martin did a Give HBCU Day. Right, Give HBCU. Uh, So all of the there are all these giving day initiatives that are happening and that what that that allows for those people who um, either may be first time donors or they don't have a lot to give, they can they can be ambassadors, they can get the word out Mm -hmm. and that that is of significant value. Um, I would say to somebody who's kind of they they have a heart for, for a cause 
learn about the cause. Like, ed- get as educated as you can mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. this particular cause mm-hmm. and the landscape that's out there. So, um, do some research on the cause. Like, what 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 what's the root of it? Why why does it look a certain way in my community? Mm-hmm. Um, should, should they feel bar- embarrassed? Let's say they look into the cause. And let's say the cause isn't what they think it is. Mm-hmm. And then they start to gravitate to another cause because they realize, oh, wait a minute, that is something mm-hmm. I, I I can give to that because it's, it touches me more than I thought the, the first one was going to touch mm-hmm. me. So should they feel bad that they kind of leave the homeless thing in the dust because it's like, eh, all right, I'm, I don't, it's not what I thought it was. But this other issue about, I don't know, poverty in a certain neighborhood, mm-hmm. that one is actually grabbing my attention yeah, more. Or, or like food access. That I mean, Oh, there you go. Yeah, food access. That, so they shouldn't feel bad that their identity kind of shifts no. and they leave the homeless thing you know, kind of behind. But then they start to look at food access, for example. No, because I mean... that's where their identity comes out. Yeah, no. They, yeah. they shouldn't feel embarrassed about that because it's, it, with education, with knowledge, it, it's going to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's like that it's going to shift oh oh like we say in new orleans knowledge is power i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> that came from somewhere i'm not gonna <laughs> Lord, let me just give you all the quick and dirty of it so you know how people in a certain city always think that a saying comes from their city you know that's what I, that, that was a joke all right i'm sorry y'all <laughs> like we say in new orleans knowledge is power, power. baby <laughs> No, you not just me. New Orleans. <laughs> Maybe the baby and you heard me part. <laughs> but, um, but not but but knowing is really the the yeah. that's the big thing. Know know what you're dealing yeah, with. Like yeah. know the the know the context of what you're dealing with. Yeah. Because yeah. it again it, there may there when you start peeling back the layers on some of this stuff. You find that it's not by happenstance that some of these issues mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. present in places where they are situated. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, getting educated on that. And then also, as you can, volunteer. Like, volunteer um, and to, to get connected with the experiences of the people who you're serving. So, mm-hmm. your perception of homelessness might be that everybody who's homeless is a drug addict. Mm-hmm. That might be your perception of homelessness. Then you go and volunteer at a homeless shelter and you find that there is a very well-educated family from um, who, who immigrated to the, the United States and they just, they couldn't get access to housing because of documentation and, and all and legal issues. Mm-hmm. That may be the reality of homelessness in your area. Yeah. So when you volunteer or when you do research, you find those things out and the conversation then becomes kind of an intersection of homelessness and um, immigration policy or mm-hmm. an, an intersection of, of homelessness and access to work opportunities. So again, that that is just making sure that you are more informed about the particular issue. Um, another thing is understanding what agencies are, who are the players in this conversation. So mm-hmm. within your community, if you if you are kind of focusing on a community based issue, or even if you're focusing on a national or global globally based issue. Who are the players in that space? Big players and not so big players. Um, who are the people who've been doing this work for generations? And who are the new kids on the block? Mm-hmm. So having a very clear picture of um, who is involved in this conversation and what their relationships may or may not be. Um, because, unfortunately, and this is as with anything else, um, in uh, mission-driven work, um, there there are a lot of motivators for why people do what they do, mm-hmm. and they're not always um, pure. They're not always genuine, and and you need to find those people mm-hmm. who really, really, really have a heart for what they do, and mm-hmm. they really want to make a positive difference. Yeah, and I think that's where people. I guess I guess with people they. And this goes back to something we talked about earlier um, um, in the interview. I guess this is where people feel kind of betrayed and they feel their identity is kind of betrayed because they 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 use all this philanthropic energy 
to back, let's say, a big national nonprofit. Mm-hmm. They find out the big national nonprofit um, has done something not so cool. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess I would feel that my philanthropic identity has been betrayed. Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking like a fraud. Yeah. You know, and, and people are like, oh, man, you know, you... <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, you, you, why, why'd you think working with them was so cool? Or why'd you right. think, you know, you raised all this money for them? And, you know, and, and you're just sitting there like, ah, oh, I feel so stupid because I, I probably, there's this other nonprofit that I told a smaller nonprofit. I, I told them no, because I was so focused on the big nonprofit. Now I feel stupid. Right. And now the, now the smaller nonprofit is looking at me like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. You, you ain't want to deal with us, but yeah, you now <laughs> look at you. Yeah, well, just because it's like the big shiny fish right now, you know, yeah. just because yeah. it's the hotness does not mean that they are most effective. And and honestly, just because it's a small agency or they're not the hotness doesn't mean they have the capacity to do what they say they're going to do. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. There, there so many. So that again comes in the conversation about giving giving up five thousand dollars and they use it to keep the lights on right. instead of yeah. So they they yeah. may not have the staff power to yeah. you know to do what they what they want to do, but you really it, it goes on both sides just because um, you see an agency that everybody else has supported and somebody brought them you know somebody said well you should donate to this this place. Mm. Um, doesn't mean it's the right place. And, and, you know, again, if you are looking at smaller agencies, understanding like the sustainability or at least the expectations around the work that they do, are they realistic? Mm -hmm. Like, do they see themselves existing for another 10 to 15 years? And if so, um, do they have a plan in place for that existence? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, that's, that's something I talked to you about. When I did my birthday week of giving, mm-hmm. and it was one yeah. organization that I wanted to feature, mm-hmm. and I went to their website, and their mm-hmm. website hadn't been updated in months, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, well, you know." And as somebody I'm, who cares a lot about, like, you care about communication, yeah, um, so. yeah, I do, I do, I do. And I was sitting there like, "Well, I don't even know if they even," and I'm yeah. not, and I don't feel like taking the time to email people to find out was 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 going on. So, you know what? All right, I'll get back to them later. Right. So there's here's this other organization I'm going to feature on this yeah, day. Yeah, and you know, you as a donor, a part of your identity, um, you know, of course you have the things that you care about, but there's the ways that you give mm-hmm. and the things that signal stability and trust and worthiness for you. Mm-hmm. Um, effective communications is one of those things. Yeah. Because um, somebody would have made somebody who knows me mm-hmm. and who knows I've done PR and marketing, they would have come back to you and said, "Well, yeah, I went to their website to give, right. and I clicked on the donate now button, and it was the link was yeah. broken." Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, and I'm sitting there going, "Oops, my bad." So. Eddie, you didn't go to the website. Just shut up. No, I, no, all right. You feel you 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 a big man now? Now that you asked me this question, right? <laughs> and you know there are others who who care about you know data. They care about quantitative mm-hmm. measurements, and it drives nonprofits crazy. Pe- you know, people mm-hmm. are like, well, all they care about is measuring blah 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 blah. Well, if you're going to ask that person to give. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Then you have to talk to them in a language that they understand. You know, you and you have a real, you have a very real example of that in an organization you consult, mm-hmm. where a big pockets donor had been watching the organization oh, yeah. for a, over a year. Yeah, yeah. And they had been going to the website for over a year, and and, and then one day out of the blue, yeah. Joker calls and says, "Okay, I got a donation." Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. had no idea that this person had been watching. Nope, had no idea. But thank goodness we kept the website up to date. Yeah. <laughs> so and this and this person. Was, well, and then you were ready with data. Right, we were ready with data. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular donor was a businessman who valued communication. He valued transparency. He valued um, he valued um, thoughtful approaches to providing services. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because you said he was reading all the newsletters. He was reading and, the newsletters. Yeah, he he visited yeah. the website. Um, he was reading the. He I think he kept up on social media. Some of the the um, shows that were done and, and events that mm-hmm. were hosted, all of that stuff. Um, 
And never once did he kind of come up on the radar because he was he was in these spaces that are not to when you when you're looking at donor analysis and donor behavior he had never given before. Wow! So he wouldn't have shown up in anybody's real records wow. unless someone was like combing through the newsletter records and looking at the open rates yeah, yeah. and looking at the click through rates and <laughs> that kind of stuff. And if you have a newsletter database of over 2000 people, yeah, you, you are going to be concerned about the click through and the open rates, but as a development person, you're looking at a pipeline of donors, you're looking at a pipeline mm-hmm. of prospects and on paper, he would have been a cold prospect. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, there are opportunities kind of in those cold prospect spaces where people, will, they'll come up, they'll emerge. And mm-hmm. they, they're watching, and even more so now, I think, than before, um, donors are kind of silently watching. Like, mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. some of the serious <laughs> more like the more, the more, I don't want to say more serious. Some of the ones who have very high capacity, mm-hmm. um, it sometimes it tends to be a I'll, I'll call you mm-hmm. when I when I want to support you, and um, because they want to see they want to see you in your most kind of authentic space. They yeah, don't want yeah. the slick presentation. Mm-hmm. They don't want the you know the ED or the president coming in. Um, saying what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. They want to see what you're really doing. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what they care about. Taste the soup. For some donors, their identities are connected to like family legacy. Mm. Um, oh, and yeah. and I, I had the opportunity. And for some people, that is a huge part of their identities. <laughs> yes. I mean, that is their identity. That is their identity. And yeah, yeah. there was a... Um, I sat in a, a giving work in a workshop that, that talked about philanthropy and there were, uh, it was a small workshop cause it was geared towards um, community philanthropists. And there was one family like that came as a unit to that particular training. Hmm. And this family, very, very wealthy family um, has a legacy of kind of this transformative giving in the community. And, they had a lot of conversation about what is our philanthropic identity and how do we communicate that mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. to the community and how do we um, ensure that our philanthropic identity is being represented? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh goodness, this, this is <laughs> kind of deep. <laughs> this is deep. This is like, and then, yeah, and this was a this was a old it was an old money old philanthropic um, mm-hmm. family, and all the wives and a, a new a new wife in the family like a new young lady had just married into the family. Um, she was there, and her mother in law had signed her up for the program, and all the sister her sister in laws were there. So the women in this family had come together to get themselves trained and educated mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. how do we ensure that we protect our family's philanthropic identity in this community. And then they were strategizing, okay, well, Christmas and so-and-so's birthday is coming up. So we need to have a family meeting to talk about with, you know, with the kids and with the, the patriarchs of the family, all this stuff um, of where we're going to give. Mm-hmm. We need to schedule site visits. We need to wow. um we need to look at research. We need to talk to our um they had a philanthropic advisor. Um they had they they had basically a team of people. Like, so so again, I mean if you're somebody you have limited funds but you mm-hmm. want to be philanthropic, it's okay for you to to go do your own version of a site visit. Oh, go yeah. go visit the yes. facility or yes. just say, hey, I just want to see how you guys operate. Mm-hmm. You know, would you suggest that they tell them I want to give? So I want to see. Would you? I, I would think that might not be the best idea to walk I, in there saying maybe. I mean, saying I'm listen. You know, I'm considering supporting your agency. Okay, so I'd All like right. to. I'd like to come out and visit and see how you do what you do. Okay. Um, for someone, I wouldn't tell them because they don't need to know all that about me, right? <laughs> so, and again, it goes back to what your comfort is with as a donor. Mm-hmm. So, you you don't like to give a whole lot of information up front. 
you you just want you want to see how they're going to react to you without knowing mm-hmm. certain things about you. Right. Um. For me, I care a lot about reputation. Mm-hmm. Um. Because you know that that's just something that is and personally that's a motivator for me. So, mm-hmm. um. I care about the agency's reputation for doing what they do. I care a lot about um, what is their approach to the work that they do. So do they have an evidence-based approach or is it just, or not just, but, or is it um, a really kind of organic, you know, personally based whatever mm-hmm. approach, which, you know, both depending on the situation can, can work. But as a donor, evidence base just resonates resonates more with me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because I, at least I know that you've done kind of research in the space that you're working in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as a w- with being um, a donor who is looking for ways to engage and and looking to get better educated about a cause, doing site visits, volunteering. Um, doing research, checking the, the financial statements of the agency. You don't mm-hmm. have to, like, call them and say, give me your financial statements. Um, <laughs> you you can usually go to their website and look up an annual report. It's not right, a, it's right. not an audited financial statement, but it's a, it's a at least it's, it's an annual report. Mm-hmm. And their resources like um, uh, GuideStar. I was going to say, yeah, GuideStar. And donor... Something I can't. What remember. about um, AFP Association uh, of Fundraising Professionals? Would they have anything for anybody who wants to give? They they do have. I know they have the Donors Bill of right. Rights. Yeah, so yeah. they have they have educational pieces that um, that can give you insight about information you should be looking for. Mm-hmm. So in the Donor Bill of Rights, it talks a lot about the relationship between a donor and a recipient. Mm-hmm. And one of the, I think one of the things that's listed there, um, it talks about uh, kind of the right to have financial inf- information or transparency, kind mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking at that as someone who has traditionally not given or you're new to giving or you have certain ideas about giving, because again, we're mostly talking about uh, situations where you've been raised to 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 give because it's the right thing to do. Don't ask a whole lot of questions; just give to somebody. Right, in need. right. Well, you look at the the Association for Fundraising Professionals uh, Donor Bill of Rights, and then it's saying you know you have the right to under to to have a transparent relationship with mm-hmm. a donor that's gonna that's gonna do something in, in shifting mm-hmm. your thoughts about how you should give mm-hmm. so you know then that basic question what's transparency look like oh and for black folks that might kind of change the relationship with a church that's a whole nother oh, yeah that's a whole yeah. nother right to bear arms <laughs> <Yeah>. segment <laughs> and, and, yeah re- religious faith-based giving um is is a is an interesting space because um, we tend to default to uh, scripture and uh, teachings that say give give because you know it's the right thing to do and mm-hmm. give because and scripture said it so just shut up and do it right you know yeah. God God will bless you if you give mm-hmm. but th- that very same. Um, book or literary text or teaching likely says <laughs> give you know plant your seed in fertile ground it, uh, it likely says yeah, yeah. use wisdom mm-hmm. it likely says mm-hmm. um, study to show yourself approved in some sort of way mm-hmm. so so you you have the right to again this is your this is your identity you're talking yeah. about even as a as, even as a member of the flock your identity yeah. matters and so if you suspect that pastor is not quite doing the right thing with your gift with your ti- with, you know with the tithing mm-hmm. you you to me you should have a right mm-hmm. to say okay listen you know i i, I do follow scripture i give mm-hmm. i i give righteously mm-hmm. I, I give with my heart uh, I do it because scripture told me that it's the right thing to do. 
But, again, to your mm-hmm. point, I can't imagine that there isn't some balance of that either where it doesn't say, you know, you did say, I mean, planted fertile ground. And yeah. I mean, and, and you got to know that your church is for fertile ground. Yes. And you have to know that your fertile ground is being kept by, by somebody who is by responsible. Good yeah. yeah, by a good caretaker. You know, and, and you know, people are like, well, I give, and again, religious giving, you know, you're supposed to tithe the way you're being fed. Well, that if if you don't feel safe mm-hmm. or comfortable or spiritually um, stable mm-hmm. in giving where you're being fed, then that causes a bigger question of yeah. where you're being yeah. fed. And you have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like, be honest with yourself about that. Yeah. Um, because, there, there, and I, you know, I de- not debate, but discuss with people oftentimes well, you know, my religious giving is different. And it it is different in some ways, but it you still um in your faith walk, whatever that may look like, should be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. And your you know, where your where your riches are, where your wealth is, mm-hmm. is where your heart is. And you should think with your you know, think with your heart and your head. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with doing emotional very emotional activities and thinking at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, because people of color are, we are very expressive just by nature and we're very much driven by emotion. Um, and that's a good, that's a good thing. Cause we love mm-hmm. hard. We fight hard. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, you know, that, yeah. that's a good, your, your emotions are a type of intelligence, mm-hmm. but um when it comes to giving, when it comes to acts that are um, that are very closely tied to your emotions, you can't afford to not be thinking, mm-hmm. um, because that's when you make it's some of the best, some of the worst mistakes I've ever made, <laughs> just in life in general, mm-hmm. were purely emotional decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the worst, some of the donations of um, of volunteer time. And uh, financial, and this is more about volunteer time because I, I tend, I value my time in many ways more mm-hmm. than I value my money, um, because time is money to me mm-hmm, <laughs> in many mm-hmm. cases. So some of the worst volunteer experiences I have had, I made because I I, I decided to do it because I felt sorry mm-hmm. for somebody, and you know, they, well, Lima, we need you. Cause you're yeah, a fundraiser, brother. and you know, and then I got it, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I can't wait to get out of this situation. So it, it again, had I been thinking mm-hmm. with my head and following my um, philanthropic identity, I would have given myself the language to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, because what good can I be to that organization when I'm hating every moment of volunteering mm-hmm. with them? I can't even, in good faith, encourage other people to give to them. Mm-hmm. And not to say they're not a worthy organization, but they just uh, somebody I really, it wasn't a cause I really cared about. Um, you know, somebody was like, well, you should because, you know, they're nice and they need they need fundraising help. Hashtag philanthropy curmudgeon. <laughs> okay, so let me give you. I, I, I want you to have the final word on this. Give give your final words of empowerment to someone who wants to become that 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 philanthropist or that giver who does something that's really real to him or really real to her. Um. Final word of empowerment. Approach your giving from a creation-based um, stance. What do you want to create? What do you want to build? What do you want to um, make? Like, what what do you what mark do you want to leave on the world? Um, A lot of times we look at our giving as fixing something that somebody else broke. And certainly that is a part of the conversation. But for people of color, we have 
precious few opportunities to create something. And this is one of them. This is so when you're when you're giving, when you're thinking about your philanthropy, think about what you want to create. You know, I don't I don't have much, but what I have goes to what I care the most about. And my giving goes to the causes that align most with who I am and how I believe I can build influence in the community. Before meeting Halima, I gave almost out of guilt and a touch of obligation, honestly, like a lot of people do. But with this being Black Philanthropy Month, there is no shortage of causes that serve the black community. But none of us should feel guilty about steering our energy toward a cause or the causes that fit our identity and value. In other words, you can't be all things to all people. So listen, if you obsess about education, be intentional about giving to your favorite HBCU or your fraternities or your sororities educational foundation, or maybe that black youth mentoring program, whatever cause you can give to that helps you zero in on that identity that you have as someone who cares about education. Because I got to tell you, there are people who like to say, give till it hurts. I'm not knocking that, but I'm sorry. Give until it hurts ain't it for me. It's about giving until there is change. So thank you very much for joining us for our edification. Uh, thanks so much for checking out this edition of the Right to Bear Arms segment on For Our Edification. And also check out the new page for For Our Edification at eddiefrancis.com. And again, the podcast is available on your favorite platform. You know you can catch us on Podbean or Spreaker, but now you can also catch For Our Edification on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Please rate it. Follow it and share with friends. For Dr. Halima Leek Francis, I'm Eddie Francis, and you have been listening to For Our Edification, and we'll see you next time.